right, it is first and Moose Connor Taylor, Mark Schoenster. The NFL was, uh, you know, we talked about it on the first Moose Live. It was our first day of no interruptions by COVID, and it was a lot of games, uh, nine one o'clock games, and then, you know, they, they basically moved everything up so everyone could watch that Packers-Buccaneers game. And then it turned out not to be a so fun one to watch, but we, we can – talk about that one a little bit later I'll get into a football mood before I'm ready to to dive into that debacle yeah well, it wasn't it wasn't my favorite thing to happen yesterday but to uh, say the least well, well I'll hold comments till uh till we get there yeah but I think uh the, the one of the games I wanted to dive into some was uh you paid attention to it the the Texans Titans yeah. game but I I th- I was just thinking through it. I was like, is Derrick Henry one of the only running backs that can completely take over a game? I mean, I was I was trying to think through of like other running backs right now. I was like, Chris McCaffrey. I was like, I don't know if he – I know he's not been playing, but he's not on as good of a team. I mean, what other running backs do you think are out there, Mark, that can take over a game like Derrick Henry? None of them can do it like Derrick Henry can. I think their running backs could have great games and you have to think, oh man, like how are we going to stop them? Dalvin Cook is in that category. When Dalvin Cook starts going, it's really hard to, to win. Um, they're uh, just going through my head. I can't think of too many running backs. Alvin Kamara, when he goes off, is usually really good. It usually means you're going to win. Um, but Alvin Kamara never takes over the game. He'll just get a bulk of the targets. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think Zeke at all? Not anymore. We haven't seen Zeke do it in quite a long time. Maybe he will now that they don't have Dak Prescott to rely on, but it has, it's been a while since we've seen Ezekiel Elliott do it. And then the last person I can think of who does it the way Derrick Henry does, and this comparison gets drawn a lot, and I think for good reason, Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. Adrian Peterson in his prime could do what Derrick Henry is doing right now. But here's the deal. Running backs could take over a game. I guess you could say take over or dominate in a game, but no one does it like Derrick Henry does, at least right now. Again, Adrian Peterson's the only person in my time watching that I can think of that does does it like Derrick Henry, where suddenly you need a big play, you hand the ball off, and he'll give you a big play. He'll do it. He'll throw a guy on the ground. He'll bulldoze people. That 93-yard touchdown is one of the most phenomenal things I've ever seen because – Derrick Henry is huge. And then he turned on the burners and dusted everybody. No one could catch him. I w- my, my jaw dropped watching that play because I thought there is no way a man that big could run that fast. And he did. It is insane. Derrick Henry is, oh my goodness, he is such a fantastic player. And I was talking to some guys last night. Uh, if we want to go into to me diving into this game, it's my thought was this while I was watching football night in America, the like pregame show to Sunday night football, they mentioned that people are starting to talk about Ryan Tannehill as an MVP candidate. And Ryan Tannehill has been fantastic, but Ryan Tannehill isn't the reason they won that football game. Mm -hmm. Derrick Henry is, and Derrick Henry should be in the MVP conversation. The last time we got an MVP running back was Adrian Peterson. And he looked a lot like this. He just would bulldoze players. He would, take over games and it would happen over and over again in that given day. Like he had that 93 yard touchdown run. And then in overtime, he had that like swing pass that went for 50 yards. And then he won the game on a wildcat play. Like 
how many running backs do that? And he's been doing it all season so far. He has been tearing it up. But to, to go into my observations here about this game, since this was the one I was supposed to analyze, I got, I got pretty lucky in that regard. <laughs> um, I'd say this. First off, it was a game of big plays. If you're watching Red Zone, they had to switch it over to that game over and over from what I heard. I didn't have Red Zone on because I had the Colts on my phone and I had the Titans-Texans on my TV. But it's not surprising that they had to keep flipping to the game because you had a blocked kick in the third quarter. The moment that blocked kick happened, the game was different. It just went to a different level. And I remember the kick getting blocked and me thinking, okay, the Texans are still in this one. This is interesting. Let's see if they can score. They did score. And I thought, all right, game on. This game is wide open. And then we had J.J. Watt force a fumble. And then Deshaun Watson had a ridiculous touchdown where he escaped the pocket and then threaded the needle on the right side to Randall Cobb after the play broke down. It was, it was classic Deshaun Watson. And then you had Derrick Henry answer the call with a 93-yard touchdown, one of the most insane plays I've seen all season. And then the Texans turned around and responded with a Will Fuller bomb. It was a nuts game. And then you had an interception, and then Jeffrey Simmons made a huge sack on a third down, and then you had Deshaun Watson and the Texans score a touchdown and then fail the two-point conversion. Jeffrey Simmons, again, got his hand up to swat it before uh, it could get to – I think it was Brandon Fells that he was trying to get the ball to on the two-point conversion play. And then you had Ryan Tannehill leading the guys down the field with very little time left to go. You run up the, the ball to spike it, and instead he just takes a snap, lobs it to A.J. Brown, and A.J. Brown makes a hell of a play. It was, it was just a game where big play after big play, these two teams were both – hungry to win the game they both wanted it badly they wanted to get the job done get the win prove themselves against a rival it was fantastic and on top of that when when we look at that it's a great showcase for the AFC South I think this is what I personally always expect from AFC South games maybe not that quality but in that crazy chaotic nature AFC South games are always like this there's never really a blowout AFC South game typically even when their teams are good, even when a team is bad, even when like, you don't know, there's always crazy. But that was one of the best displays of AFC South talent in quite a long time. And I think it's going to cause people to really pay attention to the division this year because even though the Texans started 0-4, they're not a slouch team. The Titans may be one of the best teams in the AFC. And then the Colts are also in that discussion. And then you got the Jaguars. But the Jaguars are going to randomly beat teams, I feel. But – Great showcase for the AFC South. Not too much of a great showcase for either of these teams' defenses. Um, the Titans' secondary definitely needs to do better. That Will Fuller touchdown bomb uh, was not a good look on them. The fact that their pass coverage, uh, as Ryan Tannehill marched down the field near the end of the game, not a good look uh, for the Texans. Um, overall, defense will have to take a lot from this game. But I don't know if it's – enough to be super concerned about either side because it was just a game where the offense was making plays. They were just balling out, trying to get the win. I don't know how much of this game you can be too concerned about defensive-wise. The only uh, exception to that is the Titans' defensive line. The Titans' D-line did really well. They made some big plays in the game. They applied pressure all day to Deshaun Watson, and uh, they made it hard for him to win the game. Now, on top of that, their goal line defense was almost amazing 
They were tough to beat at the goal line, the Titans defense, that is. But Sean Watson and the Texans were just barely able to find a way over and over again, even though it was tough. It was hard. The only time they really got to break through was when they stopped that two-point conversion. But throughout the game, I thought the Titans' D was going to hold them up, but then the Texans would just just grind it in and make it happen. After that, one takeaway I have to say is uh, I already talked a little about Derrick Henry, but he's one of the two players I had to point out. Deshaun Watson and Derrick Henry are consistently brilliant. They are both consistently amazing. They do so many things on every drive that are astounding. And Deshaun Watson had to face pressure all day, and he, he handled it. He made some great plays. He kept his team in it. They're just both phenomenal players, and they are consistently great all the time. After that, I've got a Ryan Tannehill, who may not be a brilliant player yet, but he is a cool cucumber and he is thriving in Tennessee. That final drive, that's not a Ryan Tannehill I used to know. That's a different Ryan Tannehill. That was great. That was composed. That was competent. And he made it happen. Kudos to him. The fact that people are talking about him as an MVP candidate, that's a huge win for Mike Vrabel and the Titans and another bad look on Adam Gase and the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Moving on from that, A.J. Brown is such a huge addition uh, to this Titans team. When he's hurt, they struggle a little more, but he is, he is a great player. He's a baller. Johnny Smith and Anthony Ferkser are probably uh, one of the best uh, tight end duos in the NFL. They're both very good at their job, and they both fill very similar roles, so it's really hard to, to figure out which of them is going to make the, the deep, deep route play and which one of them is just going to stay in blocking or, or peel off for a little dump-off route. They're both very good. Um, the Texans cannot run the ball for the life of them. And that's going to be a problem in games in the future when it's not a shootout. Um, they are relying on Deshaun Watson every game. We knew that going into the season, and it is the unfortunate truth of their situation. Um, but with that in mind, I think Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks are starting to figure it out with Watson. I think Watson and Fuller always have had a good connection. I think he's starting to figure out Brandon Cooks' role too. Cooks is more of an underneath, uh, get your first down kind of guy. Will Fuller, as we know, he's a big play guy. He's the guy who's going to break out. He's going to bust coverages, and he's going to score you touchdowns. So I think they're both starting to figure out how they fit into this scheme. And then uh, the last two things are J.J. Watt is still one of the best players uh, defensively in the NFL. That guy still makes a ton of plays. He was one of the few guys who I watched wrap up Derrick Henry consistently. He did really well in that regard. He had the forced fumble and, you know, he, he continues to make plays. Uh, last but not least, this Texans team, they could bounce back into this playoff race. If things really go well, these next few weeks, they look like a different team without Bill O'Brien. I know I, I, I don't think they're going to do it. I kind of still have them counted out, but they have the Jaguars and Browns in the next three weeks, the Packers next week, which is a tough matchup. But then you got Patriots, Lions, Colts, Bears, Colts, Bengals, Titans. You can win a lot of those games, but you got to be flawless because you, are, you started with an 0-4 hole. Now you're 1-5. It's going to be tough, but the Texans, they're competitive, and they are still a good team. You, that's not a gimme win for anybody in the NFL, to say the least. But that's about everything I had about the game. Wonderful matchup. Probably the most exciting game I've watched all season. And that, that Seahawks-Patriots game was really good. But this one was so explosive and had so many big plays and was just such an exciting affair. I, I think this one takes the cake for me this far as far as uh, 
best game of the year, but hmm. that's my opinion. Well, that, that was not something I expected you to say, Mark, but it did when I was saw it come on red zone, it did seem like a, a very good game. It just consistently wowed. It it was over and over. I was jumping out of my seat. And it's it's two teams I don't like. I'm a Colts fan. (laughs) I'm not supposed to like these guys. But plays were happening, and I was just jumping up in excitement because it was just just an awesome game. And I think this is the proper use of the word awesome. And I know you mentioned this a little bit ago, but I guess – harping more on on Derrick Henry I I started I looked up the odds while you're talking and he's currently ranked six according to DraftKings on NFL uh MVP odds FanDuel has him a little bit lower Mm -hmm. but I mean what what do you think would have to happen for our first non-QB MVP since 2012 I mean Russell Wilson's still first and then it's Mahomes Rodgers uh Jackson Roethlisberger actually and then Derrick Henry but what, what do you think um, has to happen for a non-QB to win the, the award again? I think you have three, three things that have to happen. One, Derrick Henry has to continually perform around this level. So he needs to continually breaking 100 yards, having big plays and big games and, and stuff like that. Two, the Titans need to win the division. They need to win the AFC South. And then third, none of the quarterbacks listed above him cannot ball out of their minds this season. So if Russell Wilson keeps playing the way he's playing, it, he's going to get the MVP. I think Aaron Rodgers had a bad game yesterday, and that hurts his odds. Patrick Mahomes has been on and off, but Patrick Mahomes is still pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, trying to think. who I, I already forgot who else was above him right now. Um, Josh yeah. Allen had a bad game. Yeah. But Roethlisberger like, was weirdly placed above him. But Yeah, that's strange. That's not going to happen. Um, that those are the three things that need to happen. If, if if Russell Wilson falls back down to earth a little bit, I think that Derrick Henry has a good has at least a, a good chance for a running back mm-hmm. to to win the MVP. But I don't know. I think it's due time that we have one, and he's looking like the running back, the last running back to win MVP. Yeah, I, I don't remember the last time we've really talked about it since Adrian Peterson. Just thinking right now, I, I'm not like, oh, we're just. I know it's early in the season. But I think, you know, he'll, he'll probably come up big in big moments down the, down the road. But Not we'll... to mention, as it gets colder, that only helps him. Mm-hmm. That, the running game only becomes a bigger deal as the season goes on. And he's on the, the perfect team because they, they love using him and they don't use Tannehill as often. So. But let, let's talk about some of the, the blowouts. I think maybe on paper, the Steelers-Browns and also the Packers-Buccaneers look like two of the more exciting matchups Sunday. And then they they turned out not to be very exciting matchups. But let's do Steelers-Browns and then Packers-Buccaneers. But, uh, I mean, it seems like the Browns, I mean, most people have, have thought this for a while, but you could chalk it up to them having a little bit of a Mayfield problem. And when when the run game is taken away, like the Steelers were able to do, I mean, Mayfield isn't – going to win the Browns many, many football games. And that was kind of my biggest things. And then, I mean, the Browns just seem uh, leagues behind the, the Steelers and Ravens right now with, I mean, both of those games, they got demolished in. And that, that is not something you, you want to see as a, as a Browns fan. I know you've, you've made a leap from last season, which is very good, but 
they're they're not quite there yet. No, definitely. And what's interesting is that the the dominating piece in this game was the same as the Buccaneers game, which was a front seven just ruthlessly dominating. And the Steelers just had their way with the Browns today. Uh, the Steelers front seven, that is. It's a shame uh, Devin Bush is is out for the year with, with the torn ACL, but they still have a lot of talent on that line. And uh, in that regard, you're right. I think the takeaway from this game is a little bit different than the Packers game. In, in this game, the takeaway is the Browns aren't there yet. We thought maybe they were at that competitive level after they beat the Colts last week, but they are comp- they, they are fighting for a playoff spot. They are a playoff team, but they're not a a winning playoff team yet. Mm-hmm. They're a kind of team that'll get into the playoffs and then they'll be out. That's the kind of team that we're looking at right now with the Browns, unless they can figure it out as the season goes on. The issue is the issue you have to figure out is your quarterback. And Baker Mayfield has proven that he cannot take the heat when it comes. He, I would even say that if they played the Colts again, I don't know if it goes the same way it did last time because Baker Mayfield in that second half of that Colts game did not look good. And then he turned around and played poorly all four quarters against the Steelers. So I'd say that the main takeaway from this game is that Pittsburgh, they're here and they're here to stay. And the Browns are not quite in that top tier category as far as uh, AFC contenders. And I know I've, I've kind of said some bad things about the Steelers offense and still waiting for them to, to do more. But, I mean, they've, they've scored at least 24 points in each game this year, and they only did that three times last year. Yeah, and the and way that's this, all they need to do. Yeah, the way this defense is playing, I mean, they, they only need 24 points, more than likely. I mean, mm-hmm. there might be a couple games where they need more points, but honestly, they, they just need to continue that, and I think Roethlisberger can get them there. It's, it's not going to be a pretty offense by any means. Yeah, but I mean – after watching the Ravens these past few weeks, this this division is way up in the air, and I almost think that I might be favoring the Steelers right now. And I came into the season hyping the Steelers up, and even then I didn't think the Steelers were going to win the division over the Ravens. But I think that this division – I mean, obviously the Ravens have lost again, so the Steelers aren't first right now. But I think everyone assumed that this was the Ravens' division to lose. Yeah. But the Steelers, they might – be the favored team when they play the Ravens next. No, it's it's not their division to lose anymore. It's a competitive division between them and the and the Steelers. And, and that's I, how I, it should be in the AFC yeah. North, honestly. And I mean, going into the season, you're right. It, it seemed like everyone still favored the Ravens. I mean, we we thought. I mean, it made it made sense to favor them. A lot of returning players, and they should ascend instead of you know regress, really. But it, at this point, it seems like that that Steelers defense is able to catapult the Steelers into a very, very, very competitive team. But you mentioned a little bit that there's different takeaways with the Steelers, Browns, and the Packers, Buccaneers, and I, I completely agree. I'll give my take as a, as a Packers fan. I kind of want to hear what you think from it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, these games don't really happen often. I mean, games where – Aaron Rodgers almost pretty much loses the game or like the, the, the game changing event is tied to Aaron Rodgers. I don't, I don't see that happening again this year. I mean, it's his third pick six of his career. I mean, first two pick game since 2017 and they were, they were so close together and it almost, it almost seemed like 
the Packers like didn't know what happened. Like they were they were stunned and shocked that this that Rogers that he did this because a lot of quotes I read, I mean, the young players on the team admire Rogers and they look at him almost at like a God level, which, which I understand, like you see him throwing amazing passes and he's old and he's, you know, he's, he's a very talented, one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time. And I think it just caught him off guard and they're like, Whoa, that's our person that doesn't screw up. Like what, what right. is happening right that's now? That's the rock. Yeah, he, he's the he's the foundation for this Packers team, and he was messing up, and it was like, what what is going on right now? And I know the second interception was more fluky than the the first interception, but also on the Buccaneers side, I think from what I've watched them, this is the best game they've played. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, they were the most penalized team coming into this game, and they didn't commit a single penalty the entire game. I mean, that's the the first time the Bucks have done that since 1983. So, so basically that's yeah. not, that's not going to happen again. The Bucks won't play like this again. And I don't think, I hope Rogers, I mean, more than likely Rogers won't throw a pick six again this year. How? So, I mean, these things aren't going to combine again, basically. Is what yeah. It was, it was in a way a perfect storm uh, for the Packers today or yesterday uh, to say the least. It was a combination of things. You had the pick six, which is an outlier. And then you had the second interception, which you're right. The Packers probably, the other Packers players were thinking, oh, shoot, like our guy isn't as flawless as uh, as usual. And then on the other end, if that's not going to amp up your defense, I don't mm-hmm. know what will. Like that's going to get you in a certain – you're going to feel a certain way that you just yeah. don't get into a groove like that often. And the front seven of the Buccaneers – they, I know when going into the year, uh, we said that they're a great front seven. They are a dangerous front seven. Look out for them. And they were everything advertised and more on Sunday. They were ruthless. They were relentless. And they made Aaron Rodgers have a terrible day, which is very unusual. I think that if you look at it, Tom Brady still only threw for 160 yards. I felt like he threw for 300 in that game watching, but he didn't need to. And and they did everything they needed to do. Ronald Jones finally broke out and had a good game. And you're right though. It was everything clicking for the Buccaneers. And that's not going to happen this next week. If they played each other again, week seven, this game doesn't happen like this. I mean, you looked at the first the first bit of the game. The Packers looked like they were going to run away with it. Mm-hmm. And then the pick six happened, and everything changed. And then the second interception happened, which I almost would argue is even worse because the pick six is bad, right? But you still have the lead. You get the ball right again, and you can shake it off and have a good drive. And then you throw the ball to the other team a second time. That's a backbreaker, and that hurts. And that really sets the other team off. I don't. I don't. I think this is going to be an outlier for the Packers this season. I still think they're one of the best teams in the NFL. It'll just be a matter of uh, making sure this doesn't become a consistent thing and that they can shake it off and bounce back and and do well in the future. Like, I mean, who do they play next week? I'm clicking it. They got the Texans next week. That that should be a game you can bounce back <laughs> and emphatically win. Uh, the Texans are no gimme. I said it earlier. But that's a game where the Packers could do their business and get the job done. Uh, that's what I'm going to be looking for because you're going to want to see that out of your guys. Yeah. I mean, I just, I kind of think of like Rogers' mental state. I mean, someone that never throws pick sixes basically, and someone that never throws two pick games. I mean, I almost feel like 
his mental state doing that is worse than like someone like a Jameis Winston. He throws a pick six interception. Like, I'm used <laughs> so, to this. Whatever, he, whatever. he just keeps on moving and playing. But I, I feel like I could see from Roger's demeanor that it was just off after that. He was like, what is, what he am was. I doing? Like he, he wasn't, he never got back into it. And I, but I, I don't want to just focus on, on Rogers, you know, not playing like his, his normal self. But I think that, that front seven, you mentioned it a little bit, but, the linebacking duo, I mean, they lost Vita Vea and they still are finding ways to to cause pressure constantly. And, I mean, they were after Rodgers the entire game. And at this point, it, it just looks like this this defense is going to be the staple for the Buccaneers. It, oh, yes, yeah, definitely. Is it going to have to do too much? I mean, they're, the offense will win games, but the Buccaneers is what would – send this team to the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, that's defense. Yeah, that it's a playmaking defense to say the least. They are going to make your, make the offense feel like they are going through, uh, they're just getting punished over and over again. And you're going to go to the sideline after a three and out and you've got Dominique Sue, Jason Pierre, Paul and Levante David, just hounding your quarterback. You're just thinking you're still on the bench and go, geez, like, what are we going to do against these guys? Like, it's less about being like a fundamentally sound defense like the Colts and more just being a wrecking ball that'll come in and absolutely destroy plays and, and wreak havoc on drives that were going well and suddenly you go backwards. That's what they're going to do all season, and that's a great way to swing momentum in games. And so the Buccaneers, they're going to shake up. We watched them shake up Aaron Rodgers, so mm-hmm. they could probably shake up just about any quarterback in the NFL on a given day. Yeah, it was definitely a statement game for that Buccaneers defense. Yeah, definitely. Bounce back. Yeah, and I think we'll continue to see them have games like that. But, you know, we we kind of were not making fun of, but we're we're saying that Philip Rivers hasn't really won a game for the Colts. He's he's lost yeah. a game. They don't need him to win a game. But at least from my perspective, from just seeing on red zone every once in a while, it seemed like Philip Rivers won a game for the Colts, Mark. Yeah, so I remember going into the first in Moose Live when we were going into the Bengals game, I said that the Colts' uh, upcoming opponents are the Bengals, Abai, and the Lions. And I wanted the Colts' offense to dominate in those two games. And I said I wanted the run game to dominate in the Bengals game, and I wanted Phillip Rivers to to pass the ball really well against the Lions. Mm -hmm. Well, I I guess I need to flip those because Phillip Rivers won this game for us. And, And I was saying it yesterday. We got behind 21 nothing, and that means you can't really run the ball. That means you got to start throwing it. And so Frank Reich said, okay, Phil, get us back into this one. And he did it. He slung the ball around. He, was, he made one mistake the entire game. His interception was his one mistake. And really, it wasn't even a terrible one. It was just a little bit optimistic. And even, even then, the receiver probably should have made a better play on the ball. But regardless, one mistake. Outside of that, he was brilliant. And he slung the ball around like Phillip Rivers does. And he did it with a depleted wide receiving core right now. Marcus Johnson, a practice squad guy, had a great game, 108 receiving yards. Like, that's, that's pretty awesome. As far as my takeaways for the Colts are concerned, some people ask if I was worried that we kept it close to the Bengals. But the fact of the matter was that first quarter and a little bit of the second was just such a disaster that it just was so uncharacteristic. Like, literally on the first drive, Jack Doyle just dropped the ball. 
He caught it. He turned around and then dropped it. It was a fumble. Bengals got it, scored a touchdown. That's such bad momentum that things went wrong really quick. The Bengals scored a touchdown on their first three drives, and then the Colts woke up. And even then, the Colts offense was just barely going three and out on those first few drives. So it was really just – it was a bad quarter. And then the fact that the Colts were able to turn it around and dominate the rest of the game made me feel good. Wait. So you said, you know, people were asking if you were worried, but were you, I guess, did you were kind of like, oh, this is the Bengals, it's a, it's a bad half. Do you, did you still find yourself in like a confident position that your team could easily turn it around? Or were you like, oh, no. What, well, when it was 21 nothing, I wasn't feeling too great because I thought we were going to continue to play garbage. I thought we were going to continue to play bad. Our defense was not looking good. But then a switch flicked. The moment Phillip Rivers started just slinging the ball around, we ran a hurry-up offense. We scored our first touchdown, so it was 21-7. They kick a field goal, 24-7. We scored another touchdown, 24-14. I was feeling good. Going into the half, I felt good. I was thinking, we're going to continue to go into this game, and we're going to continue to do our thing, and we did. Granted, I was nervous because we had to play comeback, but we were able to get the job done. It was closer than I would have liked, but the fact that we were able to get back into the game like we did showed me that the Colts are significantly better than the Bengals. It was just bad luck and that we can get ourselves out of some holes. And I don't know if the uh, the Colts locker room ever doubted Phillip Rivers, but I think this game had to probably be helpful for Phillip Rivers, his yeah. confidence. And I feel like, I mean, I'm not saying the – you know, the locker room was losing confidence in Phillip Rivers, but I feel like it had to be good to see that you can lean on your quarterback because thus far yeah. we, we hadn't seen that. But we, yeah, we can, I agree. We can take a quick break and we'll be right back. Have you ever wondered why everyone and their mother seems like they have a podcast today? Well, it's probably because there's over a million podcasts a day alone and it continues to grow every single day. And you've probably wondered, how do I start a podcast? And you've probably thought, it's too expensive, I don't have the equipment, it'll be too difficult, I just can't do it. Well, let me tell you, you're wrong. There's a platform called Anchor, and it's the simplest way to make a podcast. And I did some light background research for you. First off, it's free. There's creations tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. And we are back with more coverage of the NFL. Rams, 49ers, Sunday night football. And we we were pretty much out on the, the 49ers mark. And they kind of showed that, hey, we shouldn't be – people shouldn't give up on us this easily, in a way, possibly. Yeah, I'm not sure – I'm not sure if I can say that I'm going to take back what I said about mm -hmm. the 49ers. I I think we need to wait and see another week if if this is more indicative of the Rams or more indicative of the Niners. Because something that was pointed out yesterday that totally went over my head is the Rams have four wins, but they're against 
the four NFC East teams. Mm -hmm. But that being said, their one loss going into this game was against a good Bills team where I thought they looked really good in that game. So I was convinced that the Rams were a good football team. So with that basis, I would say the 49ers are proving themselves that they are still have a fighting chance. But the, four, but the Rams, these past three weeks on offense, have been struggling. They have not been great Giants uh, football team. And now the Niners, they have looked pretty flat offensively at times and looked a little rusty. So I'm, I'm willing to admit I'm wrong in certain cases. And I will admit that I've been wrong about a lot of the games yesterday. There were times that I said something would happen, and then it very much didn't. And... I will, and some of those are going to be coming up. We haven't talked about them yet. But this is one where I don't know if I'm ready yet to take back what I said about the Niners. They still have a ruthless schedule up ahead of them. Can they keep it up? I don't think so. But, I mean, if they prove me wrong, good on them. I Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo just had a bad week last week due to his injury, and he still played a little hurt this game. But good on the 49ers to get this win. That's a big one for them. I agree with you, Mark. I'm not ready to – to bring back what I said and, and reevaluate this team completely. I think, you know, Kyle Shannon's going to find games where he's able to out-scheme the opponent. I mean, he's top three play caller in, in the league right now. And I also thought a funny thing that happened was, you know, Kittle kind of went off and was a main staple in that offense after I was kind of like, a, your tight end can't be your number one guy. And then he was – in a way, they're number one yesterday. But I, will, I'm not – He's just going to be like that. Yeah. But I'm not ready to, like you're saying, to bring it back and say that the 49ers are going to be competing in that division because they have that still very difficult schedule coming up. But I think it is interesting to look at the Rams and think, hey, are they as real as we we thought they were? But the, the game that I uh, paid attention to – very closely was the Ravens Eagles game and it got weird because for a while it, it fit the the program of making it seem like the Ravens were beating up on a bad football team and that's what they did I mean the, the first play they got a sack on Carson Wentz and I was like here we go it's it's gonna be a, a classic game it was Calais Campbell and I mean I just kind of want to talk about him for a little bit. He had three sacks, his best game of the year. I mean, he has one other sack thus far this season. And, I mean, I, I'm still dumbfounded how the Ravens found a way to get better with him. Yeah. I mean, it's just like Ravens, Chiefs, find ways to get better. I mean, for the longest time, the Patriots always found ways to get people like that. Uh, the Buccaneers this offseason kind of seemed like they went out and found pieces, not to the same extent as as the Patriots level, but – I mean, it's, it's always like that. The, the good teams continue to go all in, and you're asking yourself on uh, mediocre teams, like, hey, why aren't we looking for these people? But Campbell, I, I was looking at his uh, bio, and I didn't know he was 6'8". That man oh, he's is huge. Six, I didn't know he was that tall. I mean, 300 pounds, I expected him to be, you know, pretty heavy and big, but I didn't think 6'8". I mean, that is humongous. He's a big guy. Yeah, so I was like, no wonder. I mean, the, the physical attributes he has is like, no wonder he dominates games. And he did dominate this game overall. And he's going to have games like that where he dominates the game. But the, the biggest thing in the beginning was the, the Eagles didn't have a first down in the first quarter. And it just, for the longest time, I was like, well, this is a classic game. They 
Ravens dominating Eagles. Honestly, can't can't find a single receiver. Carson Wentz has. That was one of my takeaways. I th- I think we've known this, but I I just don't know if he has a has a go to guy, and that is not good for for the Eagles moving forward because I think they need someone to lean on for Carson Wentz to be able to bail him out of situations. But watching this game when they're in a difficult situation, he has no like Devonte Adams, no DeAndre Hopkins, no Allen Robinson to be able to just chuck it up and see, like, hey, my guy's going to go get it. He's just got a bunch of random players to, to – if the scheme doesn't work, I mean, I'm not sure how much he trusts his, his wide receivers in those situations. But also Wentz seemed off for, for most of the game until later in the third quarter. But his, his passes seemed barely off to, to Ertz and other players. It just seemed like a tad off the entire game. And I, I thought what was really funny was – their, I believe it was their first score was a it was a fumble yeah into a touchdown and I was like of course that's that's the way that the Eagles find find their first score but it ended up that that gave them some momentum somehow it was such a weird score scoring play and I mean I think you know the score ended up on being a two-point game but I don't think that's what the game was really, it, it got really weird. I mean, time possession, uh, he, the Ravens dominated both the first half time possession and second half. I thought, well, look back into the numbers on the second half. I was like, well, maybe I was just not like into it enough and like realizing that the Eagles were, you know, maintaining possession a lot better and controlling the game in the second half, but that wasn't true. They just had put up a lot of quick drives, a lot of lucky drives like that fumble touchdown and ended up being close in the end, and, and the Ravens came up big. I don't think it's – I didn't learn anything new about the Eagles. I think they have heart. They'll play in weird games and find themselves always playing from behind and possibly coming back. But the Ravens – it was shocking that they gave up a, a lead like that. I will say that because they, they hold on to leads very well, and they did hold on to it because they ended up winning. But it was, right. it was, it was weird close. to – it was weird to see it get that close. So Right, right. So I guess uh, here are my two questions to you. We mentioned the Steelers earlier. You've now watched the Steelers and you've watched the Ravens closely. Who do you like more? I like... See, I think this game is going to come down to who can make something out of nothing. And I think Lamar Jackson could make something out of nothing. That's something he yeah. did a couple times. So I think at the end of the day, I think I might be picking them because I think he can go off script. And I think that's huge in today's game, especially with a uh, Steelers pass rush. But I, I just believe he has a chance to be able to create stuff where Roethlisberger can't at this moment. And I think both defenses are, are very good. But I'm starting to believe more in the Steelers. But right now I'm still holding on to my, my Ravens. Still slight edge to the Ravens. Mm-hmm. And then the second question is, given what you saw of the Eagles, I would say I'm believing that they're going to win the division in the NFC East. Do you think that they're quality enough to, be, to win the NFC East? Yes, because they should beat the football team. I know they lost them, but they should beat them every time. They should beat the Giants every time. And I think they should beat the Cowboys. So yeah. I think that's all it takes to win that division is to oh, be well, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, that's the other reason I, I like them. 
Well, yeah, obviously, but that's just my thought is, though, is I think after watching them keep it competitive with the Steelers and the Ravens that they can beat the Cowboys, and that's Mm -hmm. really their biggest question. But, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, but uh, another another kind of weird game that happened yesterday was the Patriots-Broncos. And do you think we we should be worrying, Mark, or do you think we can kind of chalk this up to – COVID issues for the Patriots. I mean, they've only practiced twice since the Chiefs game. Yeah, I think partially because, you know, typically coming off of bye, Bill Belichick just is flawless and they they are going to win. But they weren't able to do that really well. Like Belichick can watch film, but he can't teach anyone anything about it, at least well. And so having only two practices is pretty rough. And so I think uh, partially – you could say that this game happened because the Patriots were not able to get properly prepared. But credit to the Broncos. The Broncos came in. They were able to win the game and prove that their defense still has some firepower to it and it has, some, has something to prove. Uh, Nick Severini, a resident U92 Broncos fan, was very happy with how Drew Locke performed. And really, the fact that Drew Locke is playing is just great. And then, But even though the Patriots can kind of be excused for this loss, I think this notches them out of that top AFC contender position, though, because mm-hmm. top AFC teams, even given those circumstances, are not going to uh, – don't drop this kind of game at home off a bye, even with limited practice time. I think that – I think we can, as of right now, rule the Patriots in the second tier. They're better than the Browns, but they're not quite the Steelers or the Ravens or the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I agree with you. They're not they're not up there, which I thought maybe they they could be, but I think this game yeah. proved it. I mean, something that you necessarily I don't think these are components that are gonna win games. I mean, the leading rusher, Cam Newton, I mean that that would probably happen again, but that's not generally gonna win you a, a football game. Then their leading receiver was James White. I mean, that that's not that there's no way that was their game plan. I yeah. mean, maybe it was, but I, I highly doubt it. But, I mean, you're losing to a team that couldn't couldn't find the end zone the entire game in the Broncos. But, I mean, I, th- I think they'll bounce back. They're in a – I think people are saying since 2002, uh, starting below 500 through five games, which is weird. But, I mean, during – there's years where the Patriots were one and two a lot or kind of looked sluggish in the beginning. And I think, you know, Belichick's going to find a way to get them and, yeah. and form late in the season. So I'm not, I'm not worried about them, but I think they will be a wild card team as of now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think they're not there. I don't think they're going to knock off the bills given how they looked. Um, they are a playoff team though. I think they'll make the playoffs. And I think they're one of the wild card teams that could knock off a division winner and pull off an upset because they are a weird team to handle. And when they're in form, we see that it takes everything for Seattle uh, and for Kansas City to handle even without Cam Newton there. So <laughs> this is still a good football team. It's just a matter of uh, we got to make sure they – they got to make sure they bounce back from this, though, because that wasn't pretty uh, on Sunday. No, it wasn't at all. A team that I thought was a good football team, possibly, was the Vikings. Yeah. And Mike Zimmer's quote is saying, it's hard for me to figure out how we can continue to get better and play like we did a week ago and then play as poorly as we did this week. And I'm just glad I'm not the only one confused 
by what happened against the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think the Falcons were going to have this, like, bounce-back firing game like the Texans did because I felt like Dan Quinn, for the most part, had a good relationship with his players. It was just a matter of his management wasn't very good as a coach. And so, I, I don't know. I guess they just were bolstered by having a new coach. They came in, executed their game plan well. And really, this game came down to Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. really throwing his team under the bus early and, and putting them in a compromised spot with the interceptions he was throwing. I think that's what does it in. But you're right, though. They played so well last week against one of the best teams in the NFL, and then they turned around and fell flat on their face. Yeah, I know Dalvin Cook wasn't going to play, but Alexander Madison looked great last week. Mm-hmm. I started him in fantasy this week thinking he was going to do me well, and, and then he he was – a flop because they got behind so quickly that they had to throw the ball for the rest of the game. And that's not their MO. They can't, they can't compete in a game like that. Kirk Cousins has struggled this season. I think if I remember correctly, he had six interceptions total last season and he already has 10 this year. He is worst in the NFL right now with 10 picks. That is not good. I I did lose you football games. I did not know he had, 10 interceptions yeah, already. That's astonishing to think about. And yeah, you're right. That's not going to win you, win you football games. And I mean, I, I was thinking they're, they're a team you didn't, you didn't want to play. And mm-hmm. right now, I mean, I think I'd be fine playing them how they, how they showed up. But I mean, maybe they'll just be a team that flops back and forth, has really good weeks mm-hmm. and really bad weeks. And I mean, their, their record shows it at one and five that they're they're not always there. And then on the Falcons, I mean, I don't think I have much to to take away from from their side. They finally won one. <laughs> yeah, they they won a game. They uh, they left the Jets as the the only winless team. Which let, let's just jump into whatever the the Before Jets we, are. Uh, I would like to make one last comment. I think it's fair to say we're scratching off the Vikings as a team that could potentially bounce back and make the playoffs. This is a game you got to win, and you didn't. So I think on the list of teams that we scratched off as playoff contenders, the Vikings can be one of them now. Yeah, and I think I was holding on to them, but I think I'm, I'm ready to, to scratch them off. And before the, 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 uh, the, the Texans lost, do you, are you scratching them off as well, or do you have a little bit more – hope for for them i think i still call them scratched off i said if they go and four they don't make the playoffs and they went and four and i think i can stand by that it's going to be a shame because they're going to try mm-hmm. but i don't think they're going to be able to pull it off i think that they'll probably split the series with the colts i don't know if they'll be able to pull off beating uh tennessee later in the year and they got the Packers, and they've got some other teams. Like, like you can't lose games, and they have so many losable matchups. Even if you, they could compete in them, I don't think they have the, the ability to win too – I don't think they have the ability to, to not lose a bunch of these games. I know they'll win some of them, but they're not going to prevent themselves from losing and going on, like, a hot streak. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree to, to scratch them off as well. But the Jets, the winless team – in the NFL, and they currently have a 38.5% chance of landing the number one pick. And I, I think we, we could probably just lock that on. I think that's a, that's probably going to be, be correct. I mean, they don't have a 
a game left. I went and looked through uh, ESPN's FBI. They don't have a, a, a single game left where they have a chance of winning over 38%. I mean, every, oh, that's brutal. They had two games where it was barely over 30%. And I think one was the Dolphins, which you just saw them get destroyed by them in a way. And another one was the Browns. And then it was like 30.3 and 30.7. I mean, they're more likely to land the number one pick than win a game. Wow. Yeah, they are really bad. It it is atrocious to watch. Um, I don't know if I could see them winning a game unless they they sack Adam Gase and they find some new (laughs) life. Granted, last year they went on a good spell at the end of the year. Maybe they can find that again. But I think that this team is going to lose every game as long as Adam Gase is their head coach. I don't think that like, they can't like it. They can't like him. I don't understand how he is still coaching this football team as we speak. If he gets fired in these next few days, that wouldn't surprise me. And I don't know if there's really much discussion to go into it because it's like Dan Quinn when he got fired, like the day after we recorded. So we never really talked about it, but it wasn't like there was too much to say about it. We already said our piece. And I think we've said our piece on Adam Gase as well. This guy needs to get out of here. They, he's doing nothing for this team. They're getting embarrassed week after week. And it's only going to get worse. Like, for those who haven't looked at their schedule, let me just walk through it with you for a quick second. Bills, Chiefs, Patriots, Chargers, Dolphins, Raiders, Seahawks, Rams, Browns, Patriots. Those are all teams that could be in the playoffs, if we're going to be honest, with the Browns and the Dolphins being the worst teams out of, the, out of that group. Maybe the Rams as well. That is – that's – you can't expect them to win any of those games. I wouldn't even say they might come close to any of them unless they can turn something around with a new head coach where they win a game or two. But as of right now, they are on the highway to 0-16. I think it would be, as a Jets fan, I'd be very disappointed if they ended up winning a couple games down the stretch and the, the, mm-hmm. the front office decided to keep Gase because they thought – Oh, that would be worst-case scenario. It would worst be – because you're losing on Trevor Lawrence, which I assume – I think Jets fans are most likely buying into giving up on Darnold mm-hmm. and going in on Trevor Lawrence. I feel like you got it. Trevor Lawrence is just – he's next level. Yeah, which that would be interesting if they decide to keep Darnold and not pick Lawrence. But we'll have to wait and see if that organization decides something crazy like that. I hope they won it. But some – a really – I thought of I thought a very good game was, was the Bears – Bears Panthers matchups. I mean, the Bears are five and one, leading the NFC North currently. I, I expected them to honestly, I had them coming at last in the NFC North. And they're they're shocking uh, the world. I know a lot of people don't think they're very good. I think DBOA wise, I think they were the worst four and one football team ever or something, according to like PFF outsiders, I believe. But I don't know what they are at five one. I doubt it's much better since they beat the Panthers. But I mean, I don't think the Panthers should feel bad about this loss. That was my kind of takeaway. Is they're they're gonna have growing pains this year and they they kept up with the team that's leading a division. And I don't think that's bad to really put yourself through a game like that. Yeah, and they, I think they did pretty well. Um, I said that Teddy Bridgewater, would his quality would not drop against a good defense, and I was incorrect about that. The, that Bears defense are doing really well right now. They are 
stopping drives, making plays, shutting down uh, the opposing offense. And it's pretty fun to watch. Not going to lie. They are very good. They're very physical. They're, they're a great embodiment of football, mm-hmm. uh, to say the least. The offense obviously leaves something to be desired, but the offense is still doing its part and scoring enough points to win football games. And so, I mean, two straight wins, and I would say they're against both decent teams, the, the Bucks and the Panthers. I'd say this Bears team, like I mentioned after watching the Colts game, they're a playoff football team. People aren't going to like it. They're going to they're gonna snag away wins. They're 5-1. and one. They are well on their way to going to the playoffs mm-hmm. right now. And it will be interesting, though, to see how they handle these next three, uh, three games. They've got Rams, Saints, Titans. Those are three good teams. And I'll be curious to see how they handle the Rams' uh, Sean McVay schemes. I'll be curious to see how they handle Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. Hopefully he's back by that point. And I'll be curious to see how they handle Derrick Henry because those are three offenses that pose uh, very unique and different uh, threats. And this Bears defense at this point has lived up to the expectation game in and game out. Yeah, I mean, I their their defense is, is very good. I know the Panthers' offense isn't some crazy offense to stop, but they, they came up key in, in, in moments. They had an interception to to seal the game against Teddy Bridgewater. And I think as as more on the Panthers' side, I don't, I don't think I'd be completely worried. Like I was saying, they're going to go through growing pains. I mean, this was the first game they really felt Chris McCaffrey being out. And, and when they when they get him back, I think you're – looking at a you know your your team's going to be better with mm-hmm. with Christian McCaffrey so i don't i don't think any set off any alarms i mean you're 3 and 3 no one really expected that to be honest yeah definitely but uh, washington giants i picked the football team you picked the giants and i was seeing it go on a little bit and i was like man i think i think mark picked a picked a good i think he's right the, the giants can can move the ball at least a little bit, and they they were doing that. <laughs> but the thing is, I mean, are they going to go back to Dwayne Haskins? Because I think it's got to be proved at this point that like your team's not good enough to win football games, really. So like, why don't you still give Dwayne Haskins a chance? Uh, I mean, Kyle Allen and Dwayne Haskins are from the same draft class, so I mean, whoever's better is better, and you go with them. But he wasn't better. I think the big issue right now is Dwayne Haskins' work ethic apparently has been criticized at practice. And if that's the case, you gotta you got to initiate your punishments in that regard. But regardless, whether it's Haskins or Kyle Allen, you don't have your answer there in Washington right now. And you got to start thinking about shopping for a quarterback in this next draft. Uh, I mean, you're looking at Trey Lance. You're looking at... I don't know, whoever else is, just decides to, to come out of this draft class. Uh, we'll see who stays and who goes. Um, obviously, you have Trevor Lawrence, but he won't be going. Uh, he won't be going to Washington unless they pass the Jets. And then you've got maybe Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff along those lines. Another Ohio State quarterback going to Washington, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Regardless... It's not a good spot quarterback-wise for the football team. They're not able to do anything offensively, and it wasn't until the very end of the game that they had a big drive, and then they got gutsy and tried to win it, and uh, they weren't able to do so. And so credit to the Giants' defense on that one, and credit to the Giants' defense for creating the game-winning play on that fumble return touchdown. We mentioned going into this game, uh, I, I agreed with you, but I didn't pick them anyway. I said you said that you trust Daniel Jones to turn the ball over more than 
you trust the football team to turn the ball over. And I agreed with you, and we were wrong. The football team had two turnovers to Daniel Jones, one interception, and that one fumble ended up being the killer. That mm-hmm. fumble return touchdown was the game winner. And, you know, I that was a place where we were wrong. Daniel Jones didn't have a great game by any stretch. We didn't think he would. But he, they, they did just enough, and their defense stepped up. And I think their defense, like I've said the past few weeks, they're a little underrated. They are, they're really a no-name, no-face defense, and they're, they're making plays happen to keep their team in the game. And today, or yesterday, excuse me, they won the game for, for their side. And I, I, the, the return fumble was by a, a Mr. Relevant, the last pick in the draft, which I, I can't remember the last time one of the, the last picks in the draft actually contributed something. So that was kind of yeah. interesting. But before we go, really quick, Mark, I mean – this season's been – it's going to be an interesting season with COVID. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, we expected an offense to win win the Super Bowl, a, a prolific offense. But at this moment, I think personally I'm, I'm leaning towards a very good defense to win the Super Bowl. Are you, do you think – do you like more, more teams with good defenses over teams with very good offenses at this moment? Well, as the year goes on – We'll have to wait and see if the defense continues to dominate because we had some games today or yesterday mm-hmm. where that was the case. The Buccaneers doing what they did against the Packers, that's a big statement against a good team. But I don't know, man. Like, think about those good, good football teams like the Seahawks, the Chiefs, the, the Titans. Really the only team I can think of, uh, the Packers, those teams all have really good offenses. And I don't know – if you can count on a defense to make the stop when they need to, when the game is on the line, when you have those kinds of guys uh, playing right now. I don't know. I am going to reserve my judgment on that regard and wait and see if the defense continues to do better as the year goes on. Because if the change of weather affects the defense positively, like it usually does, then yes, but I don't know if the loss of fan or the continual uh, loss of fans and the clunkiness of COVID-19 football, if it'll continue to benefit the offense. We'll see. I mean, defense typically wins championships. That wasn't the case this last year with the, with the Kansas City Chiefs really going off, even though I would argue that their defense was severely underrated in that Super Bowl run. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure yet. I, I'm not sure. This is a season where there are a lot of uncertainties, and I think that's one of them. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you, Mark. I, I think it's going to be uncertain to the very end, but I, I'm just kind of surprised. There's been some defenses lately that have stepped up in yeah. the year that we talked about earlier that we don't feel like there's a bunch of great defenses, but they're starting to get their groove finally. Which mm-hmm. We did expect them defenses to start a little bit slower this year. That's true. But that's going to wrap it up for our week six reaction of the NFL. That's This has been First and Moose. Thank you for listening on the air or on any podcast platform.